This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for January 4th, 2019. In this week's episode, as we begin the new year, we've got some resolutions to help keep your Mac computers and iOS devices more secure in 2019. The Intego Mac Podcast is presented by Intego, makers of security and utility software exclusively for Apple products since 1997. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Happy New Year, Josh. Happy New Year, Kirk. It seems like almost yesterday I wished you a Merry Christmas. (laughs) It does seem like that. This week, what we wanted to do was talk about some New Year's resolutions for your Mac and iOS security. And we're going to spend the first half of the show talking about the Mac, and the second half we're going to talk about iOS. So, Josh, if I were to sit down in front of you with a glass of beer or a cup of coffee and say, tell me how to make my Mac secure, what would be your first tip? Hmm, how to make my Mac secure? Well, starting with the basics, and, and by the way, these tips are are great for you, whether you're, you know, just starting out, whether you just got a new computer or, or mobile devices, we'll get to in, uh, in a little bit, or whether you already have these devices and you just want to make them more secure. So I I would say the first thing that you should definitely do is to enable a password. I'm surprised whenever I see people just, you know, pop open their their laptop and they don't have to type a password to get into it. That's that scares me because it's like, wow, you don't don't you realize like if somebody got a hold of your laptop, what they could do? I didn't realize that you could still do that on the Mac, that you could set up a user account with no password. Yeah, well, or the other thing is um, it's it's possible to uh, to set up your computer so that it doesn't prompt you every time that you, you know, open the screen or, or sit down in front of a computer. Uh, you, you don't necessarily have to have a password restriction. I think that everyone should be doing this, especially, you know, think about this. So imagine, you know, you've got your mail app or maybe you just have Gmail or, or one of the other web-based mail services, but you typically stay signed into it, don't you? And a lot of times you leave your browser open. Maybe you even close it when you're done using it. But have you ever noticed that when you reopen your browser, you're still signed in to your email service? So imagine someone else just walking up to your computer. If you have no password set to get into your computer, anybody could log into your email. <laughs> they can do they can impersonate you. They can reset your passwords because, you know, almost every service has a send me an email password reset link. So there's a lot of stuff. I think that's a very important thing to point out that most people don't realize that email is probably the most important service that you have on your computer or your iOS device. Because of that reason, you click the I forgot my password link and someone can get a new password and log in as you. That's right. So this is something that I think is probably just about the most important thing that you can do. It sounds really basic, but it's actually pretty important to make sure that you have a password set on your computer. Okay. I just want to point out that when I come up to my iMac or to my MacBook Pro, I press the space bar and I don't enter a password. Mm. How do I do that, Josh? How do you do that? Ah, I bet you're using your Apple Watch to uh, automatically unlock. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. If you go to System Preferences, Security and Privacy, and if you have an Apple Watch, and if you have your iCloud account set up with two-factor authentication, you will see an option, Allow Your Apple Watch to Unlock Your Mac. The Apple Watch is using Bluetooth to do this. 
So you have to be within roughly 10 meters or 30 feet. Now, it's important to bear in mind that if you're doing this, let's say you're at work in your office and your Mac is locked and you're just down the hall getting coffee, if you're close enough, someone can come up to your Mac and wake it up. In fact, a couple of times my office is on one floor of the house and the master bedroom is just above the office. Every once in a while, I feel that little tap on my wrist that my Mac has just unlocked. Now, I suspect my cats have maybe walked on the keyboard or something, and I'm close enough through the ceiling, basically 10 feet away, that it will unlock. So this is a really useful thing to do, but be very careful if you're working in an environment where you may be close to your Mac, but not in front of it, because then other people can get in because you're close enough. What if it's not your cat? What if Tom Cruise has broken into your house? Exactly. And you're asleep and he's really stealthy, really quiet, and he's slipped a a shim in to get the front door open and he's walked in and he just taps your keyboard and it opens because that's how it's supposed to work. Quiet as a cat. My first tip is going to be FileVault. FileVault is the full disk encryption on a Mac. I remember when FileVault first came out, it was not entirely secure. There were risks of data loss. It was sluggish. It slowed down the computer. They have made huge improvements. And, and I think it's about three years ago when I started turning on FileVault by default. You know, once you've logged out of your Mac and someone steals it, if you don't have all your data encrypted, they can usually get into it. And with FileVault, all your data is encrypted and it's a lot more difficult for anyone to access. So essentially the way that FileVault works is that your entire drive is encrypted and all it takes is for you to unlock it once when you first turn it on and now everything that's on your drive is perfectly accessible. As soon as your computer gets turned off, all of that data is not accessible anymore because it's no longer unencrypted. It's no longer available in an unencrypted state. There's no way, in fact, to unlock or break that encryption without actually putting in the password, or if you've got a really weak password, I suppose you could guess that password. That would be another way to break into it. Don't use your dog's name or your cat's name as a password. Right. And so that, that actually goes along with my first tip, which is make sure you have a password on your computer. The other thing that you want to make sure when you're setting in that password that you pick a really good one, because that is also how people are going to decrypt your drive if they steal your, your computer. Uh, that password is really important. So make sure you've got a good one. Yeah. A few weeks ago, we talked about the most popular passwords in use this year. And as in previous years, the most popular password was one, two, three, four, five, six. Seriously, people, if you're listening to this podcast, I hope you don't do that. Now, of course, we talk about strong passwords. And I think last week we mentioned about the new security features in Mojave and iOS 12, how the iCloud keychain can suggest a strong password. The problem with your user account is those strong passwords are not memorable. And for your user account, you do need a password you can remember. You either need to memorize one really good password, <laughs> or maybe you might want to have a password manager app on, on your mobile phone or something like that, at least until you've got it committed to memory and can easily log into your device without having to look it up. In the show notes, I'll link to an episode where we talked about passwords and how to create really secure passwords, and you'll find out how to do it. So following up on this password and waking up and protection, there's a setting in the general tab of security and privacy preferences called required password after sleep or screensaver begins. 
Now I have this set to immediately. You can set it to five seconds, a minute, four hours, eight hours, etc. What this means is that when your computer goes to sleep, in my case, immediately, it will require a password for me to be able to view it when I wake it up. Now, since I have an Apple Watch and it unlocks the Mac, I can do this immediately. Before I had the watch, I probably set it to five minutes, but I still found myself entering my password many, many times during the day. Sometimes I'm working on my iMac and also my MacBook Pro. I'm testing something and it goes to sleep and I have to go back and then log in here and log in there. I must say that the Apple Watch does increase security because I can use a stronger login password and I can set this to require a password immediately after sleep or screensaver begins. And I'm going to add one other tip here that's really useful. If you go into the mission control pane of system preferences and you click hot corners at the bottom of the window, you'll see that you can move your cursor to any of the four corners and there are a number of operations that will be triggered. For me, I have the top left corner as put display to sleep. Now, remember how I just said that you can require a password immediately when you put it to sleep. This means that if I walk away from my computer, I just slide on my trackpad to put the cursor in the corner, the screen goes black and it's protected. Yeah, this is a really great tip. And this is something that I use too. There's also keyboard shortcuts um, that you can use to lock the screen. One of the ways that, that you can do this uh, on a Mac, you can hit command control Q. That's one way to, to lock the screen um, that works on uh, Mac OS Mojave. And I, I really like using that shortcut because it's just something that you can hit with one hand and hit it pretty quickly and just walk away. Another thing that I recommend that people do is to make sure that you have AirDrop. If you're going to use AirDrop at all, you want to make sure to set it up in a secure way. Just a quick explanation of what AirDrop is. On recent Macs, you can send files pretty much instantly to people nearby. You can send them from Macs to iOS devices, from iOS devices to Macs. AirDrop uses a special kind of peer-to-peer Wi-Fi network. It uses a combination of Bluetooth and Wi-Fi to make the connection and then sends things over Wi-Fi. Just as an example, sometimes I'll take a screenshot of my iPhone that I need for an article. And since it takes so long for photos to upload it and download it to my Mac, I just airdrop it to my Mac to be able to use it instantly. So this is a really, really handy feature and you probably do want to use airdrop because of that convenience. But one thing that you want to make sure that you do is to set it up in such a way that you're not just available for anybody in the world to send you something via airdrop. The way to set up airdrop on a Mac is first of all, you go to the finder and you open a new window. Now, you may have on the left side under favorites, you may see airdrop there. If you don't, you can also go to the go menu at the top of the screen and select airdrop from that menu. Or you can press command shift R to immediately open an airdrop window. Exactly. Yeah. So there's a few ways to get there. Once you're there, you've got a little menu at the bottom in small print. It says, allow me to be discovered by, and then you can pick a few things from that menu. You can pick no one. If you never want to use airdrop, I would definitely recommend that you open up the airdrop window and set this to no one. <laughs> if uh, you do want to be able to use airdrop with your own devices or with friends or relatives, then you can set this to contacts only. You don't really ever want to set this to everyone unless it's a really rare circumstance where somebody that you don't know very well needs to send you something or maybe somebody you don't normally interact with but you know well um, you might need to set this to everyone briefly but always set it back to either contacts only or no one yeah the risk of airdrop being available to everyone is 
let's say that you're at a hotel at a conference and you've got a Mac and there's people around you with other Macs. And if it's set to everyone, people can send you files. You'll get an alert. You get a little notification that comes up to, to accept it. But you may end up accepting files you're not expecting. And, and you know, as you know, these files could be malware. Tom Cruise is at every single conference. Right. Last year, I went to RSA conference and I took a train to to get there and I could not believe I just just out of curiosity, I thought, you know, probably most of these people are going to RSA conference. I see all the people with the badges hanging around their necks and everything. Now, RSA conference is a security conference. It's a conference that you expect people who are going there to really know their stuff, you know, or at least most of them probably. Right. I could not believe I opened up the airdrop menu on my phone and I was able to send, you know, pictures or whatever I want to just about anybody. There were like 50 people who showed up as being able to receive something on airdrop. Unbelievable. Okay, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how to change the airdrop setting on iOS. And we'll cover a number of security features that you need to check on your iOS device. If you or someone you know has got a new MacBook or iMac or switched to the Mac from Windows, be sure to check out Indigo's new Mac User Center. It's a one-stop collection of the things you'll need to know about using your Mac. Indigo's new Mac User Center covers plenty of the basics to get you running smoothly and smartly in no time. Of course, one of the first steps you'll want to take is to install Mac security software from Intego to keep yourself protected. And right now, Intego Mac podcast listeners can get 50% savings on Intego software, including Mac Premium Bundle X9. Mac Premium Bundle X9 is a suite of terrific Intego software that includes the antivirus, anti-phishing, and anti-spyware protection of Intego Virus Barrier, home and hotspot firewall security from Intego Net Barrier, parental controls for peace of mind from Intego Content Barrier, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today, and then use the promo code Intego Podcast at checkout to save 50%. That's Intego Podcast to save 50% on complete Mac protection and security with Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9. Intego, devoted to protecting Apple products since 1997. Visit Intego.com today. Just before the break, Josh was talking about his experience on a train going to the RSA conference with AirDrop from his iPhone. We mentioned how you can change the settings for AirDrop on a Mac, but how do you do it on an iOS device? There's a couple of ways that you can turn off or modify your AirDrop settings on an iOS device. Now, depending on what type of iOS device you have, whether you've got Face ID or Touch ID, you may either need to swipe down from the top right corner of your device. That's if you have a device with Face ID. Or if you have an older device with Touch ID, you swipe up from the bottom. And this, this brings you to your control center. One of the little widgets on that screen has, has four icons on it. It's got like an airplane and, and a few other things. This is kind of awkward. So we'll tell you another way in just a moment. But if you press and hold with your finger in the middle of that little widget, then you get a bigger version of that that's got some extra functionality. And one of the things that you can find in that bigger expanded menu is AirDrop. You can tap on that and it'll say, it'll give you three options, either receiving off, contacts only, or everyone, very much like we saw on the Mac. 
But Josh is always trying to find the difficult way to do things. So what I do is I go to settings, general, airdrop, and then you have those options, receiving off contacts only everyone. That's a lot easier to find. Yeah. To be honest, it surprised me it's in the general settings and not some sort of security and privacy settings. Or or maybe at least at the, the root level of settings, somewhere where it's a little more obvious or easy to find. But in any case, so you go to settings, general, airdrop, and then you've got the options there. Receiving off, which again, if, if you are not using this feature at all, just turn it off, please do. And if you're going to use the feature, set it to contacts only because you don't want random strangers, you know, being able to airdrop you maybe inappropriate pictures or who knows what they might want to send. Apparently, this is a pretty common thing on the subway in New York. But hey, New York, right? Yeah. So my first tip is about your passcode. If you have an older iOS device, Apple was asking you to create a four-digit passcode. And that means that there's only 10,000 possibilities from 1 to 9,999. Over the years, if you were to migrate your old device to a new device, let's say you make a backup in iTunes, you restore from iTunes, it would keep that four-digit passcode. A couple years ago, they defaulted to a six-digit passcode, which is more secure, but you can do even more than that. So if you go to settings, Face ID and passcode, or if you have a Touch ID device, settings Touch ID and passcode. You can tap Change Passcode, and you have a number of options. You enter your passcode to prove that you are in possession of the passcode, and then you can either enter a new passcode, or if you tap the text Passcode Options just above the number keyboard, you can make a custom alphanumeric code. So basically, you can create a passcode with letters and numbers of any kind. You can create a custom numeric code, so you could create a passcode with more than six digits, or you can create a four-digit numeric code if you want it to be really easy. We don't recommend the four-digit numeric code. Six digits is good, but maybe you want to do eight digits, so custom numeric code. Maybe you want to add some letters into it. It's a little bit harder to type. But remember, if you have Touch ID or Face ID, you're not often entering your passcode. The only time you're going to do it is when your device restarts, when you're doing an update, or you know, in some extreme situations such as accessing these security and privacy preferences. So think about changing your passcode and making it more secure. And please don't use one, two, three, four, five, six, or nine, 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 nine. So th this is one of those places where I actually use a much more complex password. And as Kirk was saying, it's not something that you have I'm to. I'm not surprised. Yeah, I know. That's <laughs> that's me. I've got to have the, the long, secure passwords on everything. You know, it's not that much of a disadvantage, though, especially when you consider Face ID or even Touch ID. Either one of those, in most cases, is going to unlock your device. And so maybe once a day, you know, you might have to, to put in the long password. That's not that big of a deal. And it gives your device better security. Imagine that, as we were talking about on the last episode, there are devices out there that can brute force crack your passwords like the gray key. And these are usually just available to law enforcement. But imagine someone on the force who's a bad guy, you know, kind of someone who snuck in there under the radar and or maybe someone steals a gray key device from a law enforcement professional. You know, they don't lock their police cars. <laughs> imagine that somebody gets a hold of one of these devices and uses it to break into your device. It's so much easier to do that if you've got a four digit or even a six digit passcode. It's gonna be able to brute force that relatively quickly. So if you have an alphanumeric passcode, then that's gonna be a lot harder to crack. It's gonna be much, much more difficult to break into your device. Now, if you do have an alphanumeric passcode, someone who tries to get into your device will know immediately that it is an alphanumeric passcode because the device will present a keyboard instead of just that touchpad with the 10 digits on it. 
Going along with the idea of setting up passcodes that are secure, as we mentioned, Face ID and Touch ID, if you haven't already set these up, maybe you've been concerned that what if somebody, you know, grabs my phone and, and sticks my thumbprint on it? Or what if somebody holds it up to my face to unlock the device to get into it? You know, these are valid concerns, I suppose. But the convenience of, of being able to instantly unlock your device and not have to type in a big long passcode all the time definitely makes it worth it. And as far as how difficult it is to to crack Face ID and Touch ID, now bo both of these professional researchers who have spent a lot of time on this have been able to find ways to make a fake fingerprint or a fake face that's able to successfully unlock these devices. But it's very difficult. I mean, again, we're talking Tom Cruise level stuff here. This is not something that your average thief is going to be able to do. And most of the time, if somebody's just grabbing a device out of your hand, they're probably not going to, you know, knock you out and press your thumb against it or <laughs> hold it up to your face before they take off with it. I consider that this must be secure because my bank allows their app to use Face ID and previously Touch ID. And it seems to me that Apple had to prove that this technology is secure enough for banks to trust it. Right. And, and that's a really good point. As I think we've talked about before, Android, you know, you it's kind of hit or miss. Um, de <laughs> depending on what device you got, there's not nearly as high of a bar on the Android ecosystem as there is with iOS devices. Apple's really built something very secure here with um, both Touch ID and also Face ID that at this point, I think, you know, I, I can give a strong recommendation of them. And the convenience of Face ID is really quite something. I didn't get an iPhone 10 last year, but I got an iPhone XS Max this year. And the ability to unlock a phone just by looking at it, even in the dark, I find this truly astounding. It's very cool. There are a couple of settings you might want to check. If you go to Face ID and Passcode in the Settings app, you'll see two settings under Attention. One is Require Attention for Face ID. Essentially, what that means is you have to be looking at the phone. If you're looking sideways or if it's from the side of your face, it won't work. And attention-aware features kind of means that you have to be moving and not dead for it to work. You don't have to move a lot. It might just be blinking your eyes or just the sort of standard movements that your face muscles make. I think you should turn both of these on just in case someone wants to try and do it when you're asleep. You know, hold your phone up in front of you when you're asleep. That would totally be something in a Mission Impossible movie, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, of course, you know, in that kind of a movie, you know, I, I, I always like to think of that that movie Face Off, the John Travolta, you know, uh, Nicolas Cage, I That's think it right. was, right? Yeah. I, I like the idea of, you know, someone being able to actually, you know, remove their face and put it on somebody else. But, you know, come on, it's just... It, it, it's 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 really difficult to get into these devices. Okay, so my next tip is again in the Face ID and Passcode section. If you scroll down a little bit, you have a number of settings under a heading, Allow Access When Locked. You know, it's really practical to be able to see your text messages when your iPhone's locked, so you don't have to wake it up. But you may not want to leave all your notifications visible. You may not want access to your wallet, which contains your credit card numbers. You may not want to be able to return missed calls from the lock screen. Someone picks up your phone. Oh, yes, I saw you just called. Who is it? And, you know, that kind of thing is a little bit risky. The Today View is pretty simple. It just shows you what you've got going on. Notification Center. Well, you may want to see the notifications when your phone is locked. 
but you can adjust another setting. If you go into the settings app, notifications, show previews, you have three options, always when unlocked and never. And if you set that to when unlocked, you won't see previews. Now these previews could be, for instance, a text message. It could be a six digit code used for two factor authentication. It could be an alert saying you've got an appointment at such and such a time, it's such and such a place, et cetera. It could be email notifications where a subject line of an email is gonna be visible. So it's best to set that to when unlocked so people can't just see all your notifications, but it's also good to choose what you allow to display on the lock screen. And going along with that, I think it's also important to make sure that you're carefully considering access to Siri from the lock screen. Some people really like to be able to just, you know, pick up their phone without unlocking it and hold down a button and talk to Siri. Or in some cases, some people even enable the, you know, listen for hey Siri feature, which uh, I that that bothers me. I really, really don't like the idea of somebody else being able to talk to my device and activate it. And so carefully consider that. That's under settings, Siri, and search. And then you can toggle on or off, listen for hey, followed by Siri. There's also press home for Siri and allow Siri when locked. Um, so those are a few different options that you've got there. And I, I like to not allow Siri when locked and definitely not allow hey, something Siri. Hmm. There's only one little problem with that. And, and I think we'll talk about this in the near future. I recently got a car that has Apple CarPlay and you have to have Hey Siri activated to use CarPlay because the whole point of CarPlay is that it's a hands-free system and it won't work otherwise because it doesn't want you to be distracted when you're driving by touching the touchscreen, which you can do and is ideal when you're sitting in the car waiting for someone and you scroll through your music or whatever. But when you're driving, it's not a good idea. So there is a slight security risk to do this, but it is balanced by the convenience of using your car in a hands-free mode. No, that wasn't right. You don't use your car in a hands-free mode entirely. You don't drive without your hands, but you, you tell it, you ask maps and you tell it to play music and things like that. Okay, this isn't entirely a security tip, but it is something that involves security. Let's say you have a friend who's come over to your house and they want to use your Netflix account on their iPad they're going to need to use your password and your username. Now, it's not always a good idea to share passwords with people you don't really, really trust, but you may trust a certain person who is important in your life. So here's an example. I recently subscribed to a newspaper online and I wanted my partner to have my username and password so she could look at it as well. There's a very easy way to do this. If you go to settings, accounts, passwords, and then search for the password you're looking for, and then you tap on the password field, you'll see two options, copy and airdrop. If you tap airdrop, you'll be able to send this password, the, the, both the login name and the password securely to another person. It will immediately open on their device and it will be added to their keychain. This isn't something you wanna do a lot, but maybe you have subscribed to something and your significant other wants to have access. Maybe you have a friend over, you wanna give them your Netflix password, make sure you change it when they leave but it's an easy way to share passwords instead of reading out the password. Well, it's Q capital R Z um, three, two X, Y, Z. You know, it's a lot easier to do it this way. This is a new feature in iOS 12 and I've only used it a couple of times, but I find it really practical. 
And it's a lot better than copying the password and sending it by email or by text message. Please don't ever do that. If we haven't impressed upon your minds yet enough about not trusting SMS, you know, iMessage... And email. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Email, you know, the, the way to think about... The way to think about SMS and email is imagine that they're a postcard. You know, you can write something on a postcard and you know it might get to the recipient, but other people can read it. So just keep that in mind. Okay, well, we're going to stop there. If anyone has any security tips that they want to share about how you lock down your Mac and iOS device, drop a comment on the show page. And until next week, Josh, stay extra secure. Stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the online show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software. Intego.com.